Hello and welcome to First 7 Inch Club episode 83. First 7 Inch Club is a podcast where we dig up 7 inches from past from the past within the realms of hardcore punk and metal and discuss whether or not they're worth being remembered. Uh, we'll also provide facts and trivia that we get from the internet and our own personal experiences. Uh, we don't consider ourselves know-it-alls or experts, but many other people do. And uh, I think we've gone two or three weeks in a row with, with no bitching. We're we're on a God. roll. We are we are knocking it out of the park. Home run after home run. I am Mike, mm-hmm. and with me is Scott. I'm going to end that this week. We'll definitely get bitched <laughs> at this week. Um, yeah, there's, this, this one's a little too close to home. To uh, yeah. gonna, you're going to get all, all we're in harm's way. We're in, we're in real <laughs> harm's way this this week. Uh, so, Mike, this is hard to talk about. It's kind of a big topic, and I want to devote some significant time to it up front because I've waited seven years for this. I waited seven years to finally hear one of the biggest choruses in the world performed on one of the biggest stages in the world. And instead of hearing only girl in the world, the way I'm meant to hear it, I got a bad techno remix. <laughs> None of the other songs got that treatment, Mike. Only, only old, your old Uncle Scott got fucked on his favorite song. Uh, I guess the sky wasn't a big enough roof to hold that chorus in, so they had to tamp it down. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer that, like, the Black Crows or Aphex Twin <laughs> or Warren G and the Hologram of Nate Dog, they didn't pop up in the middle. You know, nothing fun happened. It was just like a Rihanna no. show. Who cares? But in 2023, all I wanted was to hear a billionaire deliver the greatest chorus of all time, and I feel pretty <laughs> robbed. So um, that makes me want to rob people, which brings <laughs> us to our actual topic this evening. Uh, I feel terrible. There's real bile welling up in my throat. <laughs> what we're about to talk about and it's even worse that it's only a problem because of us yes like other idiots are out there doing this with no hesitation whatsoever <laughs> they put out one crappy skype distorted unedited episode and the next thing they do is pass the hat and <laughs> here we are slaving over this hot stove cooking every <laughs> fucking week and we don't and we don't and we're like weird about this like very very minimal thing and, but this weekend someone broke the seal they, they paid us for some yes. reason <laughs> i never saw this coming someone was just like hey i want to give you i just want to give you money i like the show here's money so the intro to this show is now called josh fest this yes. is josh fest in honor of our greatest donor of all time he's the boss of the first seven inch club now we work for him <laughs> if you want to claim this part of the show for yourself you, you're gonna have to dig deep i'm not gonna tell you how deep just keep laying out benjis until you can't anymore and you could be in charge of the first seven inch club this could be your spot um that donation was not necessary but we we thank him yes thank you josh and now we got a taste for it now there's blood in our mouths we're hamsters that have tasted blood and we want all we want is blood now so it's finally come to this (laughs) mike we open a patreon yeah so it's it's you know it's the url is there it's not like there's anything up there yet Uh, as scott said we're both uh, we both have some hang-ups about patreon we're old you know we don't like new stuff we don't like begging for money and stuff like that and uh, you know we walked up hills to school both ways and stuff like that but no really though they're like i use patreon for certain things but podcasts have always been kind of like a strange thing to me because um you know just stuff like you when you do a podcast and you're not popular like if we were super popular i wouldn't need i wouldn't need all these these uh extra things extra explanations because i wouldn't care yeah but when you're like you know not really that popular it's hard to be like okay i'm gonna start this patreon where yeah. I do more work and put in more content that less people hear. And it's just kind of like, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. But so that's why that, that was one of the hangups. That was probably the biggest hangup as far as podcasts go for, for me and Patreon and Scott too. But, um, but I, I listened to a podcast called long box heroes, which is a comic book podcast. And they, they have like a, a sweet Patreon set up. And I was like, Oh, 
we could do that. That doesn't seem like kind of, that doesn't seem like grimy and it's like, it's, you know, it's still extra content, but it's kind of lower effort, I think. So yeah. basically what they do and what we are, we will most likely do is they have, they have like a cheapo tier, like it's a couple bucks and you mm-hmm. get two extra, you get two bonus episodes a week or a month. And, uh, it's, uh, they, they they throw in some extras here and there like that go along with the bonus episodes like scans and stuff like that basically it's a comic book podcast so one of their bonus episodes the reason i subscribed is they go through a 30 year old version of previews magazine previews catalog which was like the distributor catalog for comic books back in the day it's basically like if we went through a very catalog every 30 years or something like that (laughs) but for for comic books and i was like oh i gotta hear that because that's like pretty crazy because i used to love previews when i was a kid and stuff like that and uh, yeah. so their deal is they do that and they do like a movie review podcast uh, episode podcast and that's it. They do two podcasts, extra podcasts a month and they put them up. And what they do is on the cheapo tier is you get the uh, the podcast like a couple weeks staggered. And if you want to be like a baller, if you really want to support the show, there's like, you know, a few it's a few extra bucks and you get them like the day they're ready. So it's basically mm-hmm. like um it, it's fair because if you're just like uh, I don't really love these guys, but I really want to, I really want to hear that uh, that uh, those bonus episodes. You know, two dollars you're not going to notice that missing. But if you're you know a super fan, if you are one of the people that listen to every single episode and not just drop in when it's a topic you like, then um then you know you could you could whatever I, I assume like our top tier is probably going to be five bucks. It's going to be five bucks a month. Yeah. And, uh, if, you know, if you really like us, you can do that. And if not, it's $2 a month. That's, that's not a big deal. And, uh, me and Scott do like a bunch of extra shit. And since we are like still kind of paranoid and weirded out about it, I'm sure we'll overcompensate. Yeah. Like uh, everybody always asks Scott about the songs at the end of the show. I'm sure Scott can throw up the MP3 in the Patreon feed for the, the outro mm-hmm. song for, uh, every episode. I don't think that's illegal or anything. I think that's fine. Um, yeah. I do a lot of extra shit. I've been editing, this kind of sports mixtape for the past couple of months, not because it's been taking that long. I've just been lazy with it. And uh, I could throw up clips of that. Like we'll, we'll throw up bonus shit, all that stuff. Um, we're still not, we're ironing out what these two bonus episodes will be a month, but I can mm-hmm. guarantee they will not be about hardcore music. Most likely because <laughs> it seems like, you know, we, we, we have like a crowd that doesn't, that listens because they, they listen to our past, past stuff and they don't really care about hardcore. So yeah. if we're going to do a Patreon, it's probably going to be for those people that have been with us for like seven years. So, so, mm-hmm. uh, it'll probably be, I don't know. It could be talk Bacula. It could be, uh, Scott just bought the coach box set. Maybe it'll be talking about coach, but we'll have Scott find a DVD player. So <laughs> I can watch them. So, well, you know, maybe we'll put all our fast food shit over there. I don't know, but we'll have, we'll do a couple extra episodes a month. And uh, it, for two bucks, you'll you'll get them a couple weeks later, and uh, for five whole dollars, you get them the, the minute they're ready. And uh, that that's going to be our Patreon for now. It's it's uh, low effort, and it won't be hard on your wallet. I'm going to be honest with people up front too. There's some caveats. One is that if five people sign up for this, I love all five of you, and I'm deleting it immediately. Yes, yes. We'll, if, we'll, if we- <laughs> we'll we'll go back and we'll go through all the episodes where we mentioned the, the Patreon and delete them. We'll delete that part of the, the episode. I, I appreciate that. Nobody. The caveat number two is nobody needs to do this. No. Like if you don't got money, we don't really need it that badly. Yeah. But if you got it like that, I want it. So give it to me. Yeah. I got five kids to feed. People have always people have always used the uh the quote unquote server costs and stuff like that. It does cost money. We're paying like probably thirty bucks a month for this podcast. Be honest with you, it's not a lot, but you know it's still thirty dollars a month. And you know every time you hear me crush a cold can, 
That's not cheap either. That's like six, <laughs> 60, 75 cents I'm spending right there. That's an episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the records cost money too, but that's mm-hmm. whatever. But but yeah, so you know, it's not like we're gonna we're gonna take this money and run and and become millionaires or anything. But it, it would kind of offset some of the costs we 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 uh we incur doing the show. Well, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put like a two hundred dollar button on there. Yeah. So if you want to do two hundred dollars <laughs> a month because you are you know you're Kanye West or something like that. Yeah. And you want to just give us your money, then I'll quit. I'll quit my job yes. and I'll just do podcasts for you. Yep. That's what I'll do for, for only two hundred uh, eight hours a, a day. Yeah. Eight hours a day. I'll just like, talk <laughs> into this microphone. So, there, so yeah, there'll be an extra baller tear. And you know, yeah. Danny Brown. Danny Brown seems to be a fan of all these YouTube weirdos. So uh, maybe <laughs> maybe Danny Brown will find us and give us millions of dollars. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm, what is it? Just, it's just Patreon.com for Seven Inch Club. I think it is. We'll put it on our little uh, the link tree or whatever we have on our on our Instagram. So find us on our Instagram, and we'll be up there. I'm sure shortly. Yeah, and you know, there's not anything there right now, so so, yeah. so don't rush to. I don't uh, even know if it works yet. I think it might, yeah. might your money might just blip away like Wreck It Ralph or something like yeah. that. If you put it in there, I don't know what happens. So there's there's no rush in signing up once there's actually stuff up there. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it. And yeah, I think we'll give it a few months if it's like. We're getting like six people. Probably gonna probably gonna pull the plug on that. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, we'll see. Uh, outside of that, I, I do have like a roadmap for the for the next several episodes up until our, our big spectacular surprise episode for episode eighty eight. So yeah, um, that's all that's all in the can. We just gotta we gotta iron out this Patreon stuff. The eighty eight that nobody really wants to hear. Yes. probably. like <laughs> I'm so excited to do this. We should just do that be behind the Patreon. We should just not even. Release it to the commoners. You have to. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Um, to get out of the way, we have a friend named stateofmindrecordings.com. He's a, he's a guy who does a distro on the internet. We talk about him every week. Every week I like to feature a record that I found in his distro that you should buy out there at stateofmindrecordings.com. Uh, very cheap prices. Very cheap shipping. About $4 flat rate shipping. You're not getting there anywhere else. Fast shipping too. This is a top of the line service. And uh, the record I want to talk about today is a little underground band named Corn. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, the record. All right. <laughs> the record title is called Requiem. I was like, "What is this? Is this like uh, greatest hits? I would buy greatest hits of Corn." And it's not. It's uh, it's a new record. It's like came out like a few months ago. Um, it's on Loma Vista Records. And anytime and uh, like a band that used to be famous thirty years ago is on like a record label like that, it's probably always some weird shit. And it is. It's what Ghost is on now. It's what Marilyn Manson's on now. It's like where you go to retire. Soccer Mommy is on there though. I think she's kind of like not old. <laughs> so so, so like that. But but I was like, oh man, a new Corn album. Um, there's 30 he he doesn't carry all 33 but there's 33 versions of uh the, this record not uh not literal vinyl like you know his cassettes and cds and stuff but who is making 33 different corn things still like what loma, loma vista what are you doing like how do you have so much money to do this no one's buying this i i uh i searched a couple songs i listened to them and uh, if you want to hear, hear a band mail it in this is the record for you. These guys are putting in at least 35% effort into all these songs. They just sound like corn sound like songs. And uh, it's it's interesting. But, you know, if you are a cornhead, State of Mind Recordings, you're probably not getting any cheaper than this. I didn't, like, it, I assume they, they still carry themselves like they're on a major label. So I, I'm oh, yeah. shocked this shit isn't like $38 because, like, major label records are. Uh, way overpriced, but uh, corn, you know, they're pretty frugal. Twenty-two fifty—that's a pretty good price. So if you, if you want to hear that new corn record, stateofmindrecordings.com. There's actually good records on this in this distro too. It's not just corn. If this is your first time 
listening. They have they have real records too. But uh, I just wanted to highlight that that corn corn record for today. Requiem is a uh, that, that's usually that's at your funeral. Yeah, um, so it might be their song. last album. I don't know. Yeah. They have like a deluxe version with like bonus versions. It's like, dude, who asked for this? But you know, just release it. I think they are, I think they just did a greatest hits. They did a, like a live from CBGB record not too long ago. So maybe this really is it. I mean, these guys have got to be pushing fifty or over fifty at this point. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it's it's Loma Vista. It's not whatever they're on Epic. So it's a uh, production's a little flatter. You don't hear that bass rumble, and that's uh that's what you want. You want to hear somebody slapping the bass and corn, and you don't really get that. But check it out, stateofmindrecordings.com. It says here that uh, F- uh, Fieldy, the bassist, is on hiatus. So he, yeah. there might not. Even, this might be the injustice for all of uh, <laughs> of corn. They may not. They may not have anything going on. And it's a really weird cover. This cover almost looks like when an image when they load a quick image before mm-hmm. a real image downloads or something like that it looks like a placeholder <laughs> i had heard about that label too and uh it's there's like a lot of people on it jesus christ yeah action bronson's on there there's all like, those labels like there's always some shady deal where like you sign to them but you don't get paid unless you do something um, so it's like i don't know if that's what loma vista is but like anytime you hear some like weirdo like oh i just signed to warner brothers and it's just like no you signed to some weird subsidiary (laughs) (laughs) that's like not paying you any money paying you like 10 cents of the unit that you're selling or something so i don't know if corn's on one of those deals or what so that might be why it's a wrecking because they might be bankrupt but military gun is on this label that seems oh my god they they got everybody i guess must be the tent pole let's keep this (laughs) (laughs) okay and if yeah you know uh, since we're we'll be big dick Patreon guys, uh, you want an ad read like like I just did? Just hit us up yep. because I could I could just uh, you know be very very bad to your company too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess quickly before we get into the actual show, it was a Super Bowl yesterday. As Scott alluded to, um, I, I I I don't mind. I've watched every Super Bowl, like basically every Super Bowl. I'm a, I'm a sporto. I used to be obsessed with football. I'm not really too into football anymore, so. That's not a big deal. Uh, what I like now is just the food because it's like the yeah. commercials have become played out. Commercials are just like they just get a celebrity and they do who remember and it's corny. It's not like it's, you know, back in the day, they used to be a little creative and now they're just like, oh, it's a celebrity. You remember Caddyshack? And that's about it. And uh, it, it, but I do like that. Everybody is like, like, oh, we're going to have some special food. And that's, you know, at least local places. But uh, but big big brands are getting into it, too. And Taco Bell had uh, special food but uh, for for the Super Bowl. But it was only in Glendale, Arizona, which is where the Super Bowl is, which seems really stupid to, to be like, <laughs> like, who's going to Glendale to go to the Super Bowl and then eat at Taco Bell? It just doesn't make any sense. But, um, you know, put, put it in several cities, not just Glendale. But they did. Uh, this is what they called it. A big ass Mexican pizza. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I didn't, I don't, I don't have it pulled up, but it was like, it, I don't think it says the exact inches, but I think it says it's three times the size as a normal one, so I assume it's twelve inches around there, or nine to twelve inches, and it looks really cool, but it obviously it's only promo pictures. It's not like they don't show you like the employees make, making one or anything, so I don't know what it really <laughs> looks like, but it looks awesome. Um, I understand why they're going to put this in nationwide because it looks very unwieldy to trust these employees to make you a 12 inch Mexican pizza. It seems like they're just, this would just fucking put a wrench right in the works of Taco Bell and you'd be, there'd be like 45 minute wait times just to get a couple tacos. So I understand it, but just put it in more places than fucking Glendale. Jesus Christ. But it looks cool. It makes me, I really regret that. Uh, when I lived in New York City, there was a Burger King in Times Square that did a Whopper pizza, which was just a Whopper the size of a pizza. 
and yeah. uh, I I never got it because it was in Times Square, which is not a place you go to if you live in New York. And it was like not. I think you had like it was dine-in only, so I couldn't even like <laughs> bring it. I couldn't even bring home my pizza-sized Whopper on the train or anything. You know, like <laughs> eat it there. And I'm only one person. I'm not going to eat a pizza-sized Whopper. So uh, I want to sit down at a table with my foot wide, <laughs> single hamburger by myself. Yeah. So I I never got that. Uh, the other Taco Bell news I had was they also offered for us commoners that don't live in Glendale, Arizona. They had like a party box, like uh, mm-hmm. for the big game because they can't say Super Bowl. And uh, it's such, it was, I'm trying to find it. I took a screenshot. It's a bad deal, I think. I think yeah. it wasn't like financially even, yeah. didn't work out for it. It's an ultimate game day box. That's what it's called, $23. You get a normal size Mexican pizza, five hard shell tacos, and they're eight piece chicken wings. And uh, $23 is a lot at Taco Bell. And it's not like, <laughs> this is enough for like one and a half people to eat. This isn't, yeah. and, you know, this is supposed to be, the, oh, they're, they're big game day box to share with your friends. I'm pretty sure for $23, you can get like an actual meal for all of your friends from Taco Bell uh, just off the value, yeah. the value menu. So I don't know. Yep. This was kind of a, a strikeout. This is, th- this is basically the same amount as, as uh, Pizza Hut's big dinner box. And that comes with like two pizzas and wings and, and uh, breadsticks and shit like that. So uh, they blew it. Taco Bell, you're really blowing it lately. I don't think a lot of people are going to want, I mean, I guess like the, the idea of the big pizza is you would share it anyway. Yeah. But you don't want, you don't want more of that flavor. No, and, no, 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 no. The small, the small pizza is really more of a reminder. You buy it every <laughs> six months and go, "Oh yeah, this yeah. isn't like <laughs> this wasn't worth it." So to buy the big one, it's like you know. there's got to be like seven pounds of those those Taco Bell beans on there too. That's uh oh yeah. Actually, no. Is it, I always forget. This me- they put they retconned it, and now Taco Bell pizzas, Mexican pizzas, are beef. They used to be beans, but I think they're just beef now. Let's see. Uh, it has beans. It, like, okay. This one had a layer of beans, beef. Tomato sauce and the melted cheese, and it's like a, yeah. I mean, that usually in the middle, there's kind of a hump yeah. of the beans because yeah. they're not very even. So you know, if this is like geometric, there's going to be about four inches of beans in the middle of this thing if, yeah. they, if it humps the same way as, as the regular. There's pizza. also a photo that shows a cheese pull, which is inaccurate no, because that's not, that's not happening. Yeah, t- Taco Bell cheese doesn't even melt. That's a, that's the problem. So, <laughs> so they're not putting special mm-hmm. cheese on this Mexican pizza, but I don't know if I got to look up. I haven't looked up to see if anybody actually got it and see, see some real life pictures of this, but uh if you are if you're in Glendale, <laughs> let us know if you got the big ass pizza. And then the wings are gnarly too, by the way. Yeah, don't dude, bother. Yeah. Like if anyone's still thinking about that. Just and they were they they were like kind of economical the first time they came out and they're no longer economical. They're like a dollar <laughs> a wing. And uh, yeah. that's it's not worth it, man. It's fucking super not worth it. Very rough. It's, all, it's like I'm eating a finger. Yeah, it's like eating a knuckle. Uh, so that's it for the Taco Bell talk. If you want more of that, subscribe to our Patreon for a Seven Inch Club at a uh, Patreon. But but uh, just you know, yeah, for Seven Inch Club at gmail.com If you want to reach out to us, and um, on our Instagram is a link tree at First Seven Inch Club. If you want to find other stuff like our YouTube and stuff like that. So go hit that up. But now we are going to talk about our, our main event, our big record for the day. It's uh, a band called Monster X in their Demo 93 7-inch from not Demo 93. It's actually from 1996 because uh, mm. it's, you know, took, it? yeah, the 7-inch oh, yeah, the, is, the I mean, the actual demo is from 93, but, you know, they put it on 7-inch a few years later. So, uh, and this is on, I always forget the record label name. It's on Anomi, Anomi, Anomi Records. Um, it was originally, you know, it was obviously originally a demo, 93, and then it, it was on Anomi Records from Germany. Yes, from Germany. Uh, they pressed it onto vinyl, and then Hater of God, uh, you know, the record label run by the 
ex-singer of Monster X, um, he he pressed it later on after that for for America basically. I for whatever reason have the German copy, so, so that's what we're yeah. reviewing, and and uh, it's not much different. There's a different cover on the Hater of God version, and uh, that's about it, I think, really. So um, I don't think there's any other differences. But yeah, if you don't know Monster X or a band from Albany or I guess Troy, New York, um, Discog says they're a straight edge grind hardcore band. And uh, they're now disbanded. But yeah, they, they released a bunch of shit. Um, not as much as I thought. Like in my mind, I was like, they had a lot of shit. But a lot of it was seven inches. I guess they've never really, they never had an LP. It was all seven inches. Um, a few uh, regular seven inches, then, then a few split seven inches. And then there to the positive view seven inch, which was uh, a straight edge, or straight edge, a youth crew cover band uh, record. And then mm-hmm. uh, later on in 2003, Hater God dropped the indoctrination CD. And uh, that, that was about it. And I cannot believe uh, he did not put that on vinyl because it sucks because it's <laughs> like it's gone. Like, I have it. I own it it's somewhere, but I, I, I don't know even know where my CDs are. And uh, yeah. it's not on Spotify. It's not on Bandcamp. It's not on nothing. So it kind of sucks. that They're just gone. And um, I think that's a problem. You got you to gotta, I don't know what, what needs to happen. I, I don't think the stars will ever align for somebody to get the rights to put this on vinyl but i don't know maybe but uh, we do need a, a vinyl of discography but um and i think that's kind of a bummer because i think this band is like slowly being forgotten and at the time monster x was a pretty popular band even yeah. uh you know i when they were out i was still not like i was still mostly going to mosh hardcore shows and uh you know they they even seeped in there where I, I even heard of them so it's uh they're they're really breaking out um I didn't really do, I lined, uh, obviously, I honestly didn't do any research because uh, whatever I could come up with, Scott Scott lived this. Like, I obviously, I know Nate, I know uh, FKA John, now Big Dick, um, and, <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I know uh, yeah. the only other person from Monster X I knew personally was Tim, and he was not involved in this record, or I don't, I don't think he's on any record, honestly, so... Yeah. Uh, that came along, but but Scott lived this shit. I was, this was a little before my time, before I moved to Albany, so I kind of mm-hmm. uh, knew these dudes. But it was it was outside of Tim. It was after Monster X. So, um, mm-hmm. with that said, my little my little history is as I said, uh, John was the singer, now known as Big Dick. Um, he uh, he was he did that that noise that noise uh, was by the throat. Yeah, that was a regular hardcore band, but he did Herbivore, which Herbivore. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. but by the throw was a normal hardcore band and did Herbivore. Um, Nate played guitar. Nate Wilson. He did Gloom Records. Uh, He's currently in a couple band, or is he just in Fright now or Pariah? He's in one of those bands now, but they're both Pariah. Pariah. They're both newer bands though, so he's he's still at it. He's he's um, in Devoid of Faith, JBA, a bunch of very famous bands. Devin, I never really knew Devin. I met, I met Devin a couple times. He played bass in Monster X. Uh, he's probably more famously known for being in Drop Dead. And uh, he was in a band I like, a very underrated band named Conniption, which uh, yeah. maybe one day they'll be on the show. And then uh, Hail Mary, which I... Were you in Hail Mary the same time Devin was in Hail Mary? No, I okay. was only in Hail Mary for like a month, okay. <laughs> a couple months maybe. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that didn't, that didn't cross over. Uh, and the person I always wondered about was a drummer, Rory. Which was yeah. uh, he was he was a drummer for Monster X, but he was also a drummer for a band called Three Five Seven Justice, which is yes. a, a very serious Troy Corps band. And uh, as you get older, you start to think like you you realize it's kind of dumb when you were younger and you were like, oh, how can that guy that was in a 
mosh metal band also be in an emo band that's crazy like mm-hmm. what a sellout blah 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 and you get older you're like oh it's just music it, it, it's, it doesn't yeah. matter but, especially for drummers yeah yeah <laughs> but rory is still a mystery to me because he he was the bridge between two of the biggest differentials and scenes ever because you had troycore which is the goonest version of goon hardcore there ever is and then like <laughs> diy like heart attack ebullition style i mean i don't i wouldn't qualify monster x as like an ebullition style band but that was their crowd that was like uh, ebullition was always championing championing monster x and stuff like that so yeah our heart attack was so it's 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 still to this day still weird to me that one man uh i guess the lamb and the goat fused as one with rory o'brien <laughs> uh he was also yeah. he was also in brick by brick did you know rory did you know him personally or anything not pals but yeah i knew I, like i was there when he kind of took over from brian my friend brian okay know? so yeah. was he like uh did he fit the mold of a troy core guy or was he a gun for hire so it's in it's kind of in my my narrative but okay. I, I didn't really know how to work this in rory today is a, is like a welder mm-hmm. or he like works for a welding supply company or something like that but i think that he was a welder and john moran also was a trained welder yeah so i assume that it's because they were welder bros okay, okay. <laughs> that he that was the connection and yeah he was definitely a troy core guy at the time that was <laughs> i was looking at him with a slanty eye i was like hmm, what's, this, what's this dude doing in this thing uh, the only other things I had to say is Nate, uh, you know, he said what we were saying, and he he just wanted to say that he, he highlighted that uh, they recorded live to tape, which is uh, at Cotton Hill, which I think Scott has talked about on this on this, this yeah. uh, show before. But uh, he mentioned that. And then I asked John, um, I was like, oh, we're doing a we're doing a sh-. he emailed us something else. And I was like, oh, we're doing a show on uh, the, the, the Monster X demo. You have anything to say? And he was just like, oh, it was just like, you know, I was really pumped to be. It was the first band I ever sang, and I was very pumped about it, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, and we recorded live to tape. And I just thought it was very funny that, that both both guys I know highlighted this yeah. kind of mundane fact. But then I remembered when we did the eviction demo, we we're like, oh, we're doing it like Monster X. So it's just yeah. like, I guess it's just a, a, a big legend that, <laughs> that Monster X recorded <laughs> live to tape that uh, even we brought it up 10 years later or whatever it was or 15 years later. So, so yeah, they if they they Monster X wants you to know this demo was recorded live to tape, and so was the eviction <laughs> demo. So that's uh, that's pretty much all I got because, like I said, I, I'm not going to trump you in anything. So I could do this off the top of my head yeah, very yeah, easily. Yeah. Although, uh, yeah, since both Nate and John are listeners, and they know I was around back in the day, and but like I didn't know them that well, mm-hmm. so this is weird to be summarizing them to them. <laughs> this is going to be. You know, this is what this is what this is your life from 30 years ago guys and uh yeah that's a really weird situation i i had ska shit to handle back then so i wasn't really in the mix so uh monster x was my intro to the scene my school had a team of track stars like literal track stars who are kind of like jackass dudes and they would ride around at night in albany in a pickup truck and do wild things and film it <laughs> And then they would get into like weird pranks and they would do weird shit to each other at school. And they were just really weird dudes, but they were like handsome, muscular track stars as well. (laughs) So, and uh, they went to weird shows and they got us into ska. And then they sort of introduced us to the three weird skater dudes of the school. I don't remember. remember, We we had names for everybody and I don't remember what we called them, but there was like basically like these three dudes who all kind of dressed like the Beastie Boys kind of, but also wore like the giant Carhartts and shit. And they were skaters. And uh, one of them was Brian. And they were funny. They were like funny, weird guys who with like real oblique senses of humor. They were like hard to talk to because <laughs> they were just so ironic all the time. But Brian, yeah, Brian was the one who got us listening to like Breakdown. And uh, he's the one who used to tell us that hardcore was just basically about 
being under constant stress and having to solve your problems with your fists. That's what, <laughs> that's what he told us hardcore was about. And he would make up songs about that on the spot all the time. And uh, so, like, you, you know, we're in the crucible of straight edge and your fists were your only weapons. That's what our, our mission was. So we started a band named Fist with Brian. And our first song was My Fists Are My Weapons. And <laughs> that's what that was about. And problem was, Brian had drums, but Brian didn't know how to play drums. Not even a little. Like, he looked at the drums and wasn't sure what to do, like, with the sticks. He just was like, huh. So, we sat him down and tried to teach him. And he would just kind of bash on the snare, like, <laughs> and, like, wiggle his mouth, like, bewitched. <laughs> he was really, really bad. And w so, we were bad. And um, we, ki we kind of taught him a few beats. Eventually, we, him, we taught him how to play, like, the Posse Youth beat and stuff like that. And, and the, the band was terrible. And then a week later, he was in Monster X and PNA. Like, <laughs> and I was like, man. <laughs> What the fuck are those bands like? If they if they took Brian cannot play. What what does that band sound like? And um, so I I basically I thought Brian was on this recording for all the years that I've had this. I just thought he was. I never because I had it on tape. I had the old yeah. tape. Didn't have the same, and I didn't have the cover, so I never had the credits or anything like that. So I don't usually do all this stuff. But I decided to ask Nate about that. I was just like, did Brian ever record you you guys at all? And he said, no, I don't think so. And then he gave me a quick primer on the early days of Monster X, some stuff that I didn't really know because it was before even my time. I don't usually fish for stories this way, so this is just a this is a lucky <laughs> lucky catch. But so back yeah, so back then Brian couldn't play in the band with them. He also couldn't play in Monster X, <laughs> and uh, he could approximate the positive the pause youth beat the bum bum papaga dum bum papaga bum bum you know that 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 beat. That was it. That's all he could do. And then they had Roger from Nate's other band Intent as the singer. And Roger sings kind of like like violence or like DRI kind of like he sings. <laughs> he kind of sing yells, but he he can sing for real, and uh, like melodically. And uh, it was you know that's what they kind of were going for when they started Monster X. But he didn't want to sing this shit. Like I've never not seen Roger wearing a trench coat, so <laughs> he didn't want to sing Posse Straight Edge lyrics, and you know. <laughs> Because he wears a trench coat, he's that kind of. <laughs> this wasn't for him, so he quit. And they got John. I don't know where they got John from. I don't know what John was up to. It was just a buddy there, or something like that at the time. And uh, he tried to sing like Roger. <laughs> John, John can't sing, or he couldn't back then, and uh, that wasn't going well. So they were like, you know, just we, like we're into Napalm Death and shit now. So just sing like that. And voila, Monster X. You got Monster X. But like as a reminder, Brian still couldn't play drums. <laughs> Devin, the bassist, had never played bass. They just handed him a bass. So literally one person in the band could do his job. Nate is the only person in the whole band who could do his job. So Brian roped in our pal Jason. And Jason was at the time one of the most remarkable people that I knew. Like he's, I knew him, I've known him since middle school, since we were babies, children. And he can draw and I can draw. So when he found out I could draw and he didn't know me, he tracked me down in the halls and he threatened me and tried to bully me. This is middle school. I'm talking like fifth grade. He tracked me down in the streets and he bullied me and he's real Italian looking. Like, so he looked like an adult when he was nine and I felt threatened and I was like, Jesus, this dude's out for me. And then uh, we were, so we weren't friends. And then by high school, he had kind of morphed into like a long hair, hard rock guy. And since I was one of the bosses of metal in our school, it gave me some leverage. So I could get, I could get past that like intimidating Italian look finally, and then, and then we could be pals because I had something to work with. But he's, he's a better artist than me. He's more creative than me. He like listened to like dance hall and rap and fusion and hair metal and all this weird stuff. He was just a really open-minded dude. And he was also 
an actual Steve Vi, Steve Vai style shredder with like a really complicated amp. I've ne- I don't to this day I've never seen an amp with this many weird. He had some kind of you know how you have a cabinet with four speakers in it. Yep. He had a quadroverb thing that could use each speaker separately, so it go better. They could do these ping pong things, and I was like, "What the fuck is that thing? I've never seen that before." <laughs> to this day, I've never seen it again. And he had a cool mom who would let him play at volume in his room, so he'd just be in his room, go. Jesus, dude, you live in the life, and you would never, ever, ever know any of that if you met him at school. I cannot picture. There's no way that I can make a picture in my brain of Jay turning to a person at school and saying, "Yeah, I play guitar." <laughs> he would not let anybody know that he does anything like that. He was a real mysterious and interesting and weird guy. So Brian roped him into all of his bands at once. He just boop, put him in all, all of his bands. So he was in PNA. He was in Monster X. They had something else going on that I'm blanking on, some kind of other grind noise thing that they were doing. And uh, then, so they got him in all the bands, and then Brian got super into techno raving. <laughs> it just dropped out of hardcore to be a, like a raver. And uh, that wasn't that uncommon in the 90s, but... He really got into it. It was really bizarre to be in like art class with him and him talking to me about raves and shit. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know, man. And then they got, so they got Rory. I don't know. I, I assume, like I said, I assume because he was like a welder with John or something like that. I don't really know that story. But he was a drummer. He wasn't just some guy. <laughs> this time they got a, an actual drummer, and he was a real, for real, Troy Blood unbeaten guy. And he was the kind of guy who would always look like he'd just been slapped because he was so red. Like he was, you know, his name is Rory O'Brien. Maybe that's. That's a shamrock shake with muscles. He's just like a, he is a leprechaun. And I thought he sucked back then because it mostly because he replaced Brian. Brian was my, was my pal. Yeah. And I wanted Brian to still be in the band because I liked that. And they replaced him with like this Troy goon. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. But you know, he could play. Like he, he could play drums. So now three of the five members could play. <laughs> and then Devin kind of got up to speed. And yeah, so Monster X got good. They got pretty good pretty quick, I think. Then Jay and Rory were out. Like a couple, I think two years or something like that. And Jay left to do Devoid of Faith full time. I think he might have had a kid and he was like, I can't do the, I can't do all this punk shit. <laughs> I got to pick one band and stick with it. I don't know why Rory left. It could have been, there's, they're all still pals. So I don't yeah. think he got in a fight, fights or anything like that. But like, I think it might have been amicable. So Monster X went through some replacement dudes and then eventually it was just Nate. Nate was the only guitarist and they got Jeff Dowd <laughs> on drums. And Jeff Dowd's actually a good drummer. So by then they were, you know, full on. And, I still like seeing Monster X even in the later days, but some of the real like horned hand metal metal uh, influence was kind of gone to me. I thought I thought it was kind of gone, and the, I, th- I thought that they were veering more towards regular hardcore by then. Even mm. though they still had the deathy vocals, I kind of thought I, I made the assumption that Jay was their metal guy and that Nate was like a punk guy. And when Jay left, that Nate was like, "Ha ha, <laughs> I'm finally gonna make Monster X a punk band or something," <laughs> like he'd been planning that all along. And I liked every other band Nate was doing. I don't know why. I, for some reason, Monster X was just this weird little microscope that I just made him into a different nefarious mustache twiddling character or something back in the day. And we didn't really hang out. We weren't friends or anything like that. So I just let that I let that stale opinion sit in my head for years, ages, unexamined. I was just like, yeah, Nate took over and they became a punk band or something like that. That's not, that's not true. That's what I thought back then. And like decades later, he joined our message board and he started posting about his blog, his true punk and metal blog. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Nate is way more metal than me, like <laughs> way, way, way more metal than me, and I'm embarrassed about what I thought back then. But I, I do stand by the idea that they changed their sound. They got more stripped down later on. But my conspiracy theory is just, it's jack shit. It's all jack shit. <laughs> so uh, after this, Rory left to do 357 Justice, which uh, long term, long time listeners might remember. 
they're a band who like half the band went to jail for stealing copper pipes out of buildings. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, Brick by Brick is, is like a goon rock all-star band from, yeah. uh, from Albany. But it's like all the, the biggest names in the black and blue of Albany. And they I think they even imported like a ringer vocalist from New York City or something like that. Yeah. He's pretty good. I don't like the music, but like <laughs> the, the guy they brought in is like a real oh, Jesus. They, they put in <laughs> some firepower. And yeah, he works for like a welding. Uh, Rory works for like a welding supply company now. And uh, he looks healthier and happier than any of my peers from this era. <laughs> any of them. Uh, so he's living his best life, I think. De- uh, Devin did Exploding Corpse Action, uh, who recently put out a discography record. Just, just like this. <laughs> they just <laughs> put this out for... Uh, it's yeah. got Mike Sutphin cover art. It looks kind of cool. And that was Devin's weird, like, sci-fi conspiracy grind band. And it rules. Once again, uh, a punk guy who I uh, underestimated back then <laughs> doing way more metal than I was ever doing at the time. You know, so, uh, it's a very interesting. And he, Conniption uh, is a band. It used to be called Amongst Ourselves. And it had Joe singing for them with, and playing bass. Um, Joe was now in Skinless. And he's kind of a goonie, he's a goonie <laughs> skinless now. But back then, this was a very DIY kind of like, you know, DIY scene, almost Econo Christie style band or whatever. And Joe was awesome in it. It was amongst ourselves, the first record they put out with Joe is fucking awesome. It's really mm-hmm. good. And then when they they became conniption and it got, I think, kind of more deathy yeah. with Devin, that's still good. Uh, and yeah, so he went to play in Drop Dead before leaving the core entirely to teach in Japan for years. And then Drop Dead replaced him with a lookalike. Did you know about that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that story, but I I went to play a show with them in Providence, and they're setting up, and I'm like, oh, there's Devin. I'm going to say hi, and the guy turns around, and it's not Devin. Same, he had all the same visual signifiers, except maybe height, because Devin's kind of tall. He wasn't quite as tall, but he was like a bald guy with the horn rims and everything. It's like, Jesus, dude. And uh, Devin's, uh, Devin is now a librarian in California. I don't think he does anything in, in, in the core anymore. or Maybe he does. Maybe he's still doing exploding corpse action on his own. Um, Nate is now a family man, and after fucking around for 40 years, he's finally a dirty long hair. <laughs> I don't think he's been a long hair for all the time I know him until now. Um, yeah, he does Fright. I think he does Pariah, and he was in Green Dragon, but we kind of assumed, I think we decided a few episodes ago he's yeah. not in that anymore and never asked him, even though we talked to him once yeah. in a while. I think Gloom Records is still technically around, but just to put out like his own stuff or yeah. something like that. And I don't know what he does for a living anymore. I, it never comes up, and I just I like I've just assumed he still goes to like festivals with playstations or something like that. I think that. he still <laughs> works for the same company. I don't think yeah. he, I don't know if he does all that shit though. I think he's probably a little higher up, but I'm not positive. Yeah. <laughs> he's just still doing it. He's still going out. <laughs> Him and the various marks that he knows just yeah. go out to <laughs> festivals. And give people PlayStation. John kept hater of God going for a while. We talked about it in a prior episode. Mike and I were on that label ourselves. Yeah. It's one of my favorite labels. Uh, indie uh, label names of all time the hater of god is an awesome, awesome <laughs> label name i'm glad that i was on hater of god records and I'm not sure what all went down for that but one day he just stuck his entire inventory into hefty bags and put them out in the curb and that was it there that's was no more do label it. anymore that's yeah, you you're done. Do it. That's i'm done do yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh so he did that offshoot band uh he was basically an, like sort of a continuation of monster x with nate and mark telfian from hail mary called by the throat and it was, I thought it was a little bit more hardcore at the time, which helped confirm my prejudices <laughs> <laughs> that they secretly wanted to be a hardcore band all along. Uh, he had a noise thing called Herbivore we talked about. That was for ages, like ever since I met him. The, the day I met him, he gave me an Herbivore tape. So he had done Herbivore the entire time I knew it, or at least before any operated. Before any of these little kids were doing noise music. Yeah. Like I back then, I mean, even for years after that, 
I was yeah. like, who the fuck does this and why would they do it? And now it's like a yep. thing. It's so weird. Uh, he started a rap career as decomposer. We yep. talked about that a while ago. And uh, we, we, yeah, we discovered that he's still making glitchy kind of rock and pop uh, collages under mm-hmm. that name, complete with like fucked up videos and stuff like that. And I think SoundCloud uh, dry snitched that I was looking at his page because <laughs> he found us immediately. Now we're all pen pals. Um, I think he ran into some legal friction in the area and decided to move to Colorado where a man can be free and untamed. Mm-hmm. There had been, yeah, there was, so there was some confusion uh, around here. People kind of got the idea that he had, that his name change was a hoax, but I've confirmed. He showed me, he showed me confirmation. Jack Big Dick Carr, mm. as listed in Discogs, is his legal name. And he's very easy to find online as, as decomposer if you're interested in his uh, current, current whereabouts and, and, and activities. Then my friend Jay stayed in Devoid of Faith till the end. Um, and then just winked out of existence. Boop, he just <laughs> wasn't in hardcore anymore. And uh, I think he just became a tradesman, just gave up, just decided to go to work because uh, I think he literally had five kids to feed. And um, I think he's a commercial tiler now. Uh, I run into him like every five years in a weird place. So once I ran into him in the bathroom in the college I worked at, he was tiling it. And I was like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> And uh, sometimes I just run into him at like Stewart's getting coffee and we always have like a weird conversation and, and he will deadpan agree with any rumor I bring up to him <laughs> no matter what because he's a mysterious and complex dude. So I could be like, yeah, I, dude, I heard you discovered a pyramid and got cursed by a mummy. He'd be like, yeah, I was nuts. It's like <laughs> fucking crazy, dude. It doesn't matter. The, uh, like a real thing I asked him uh, a while ago, I had heard that he took in a bunch of animals. <laughs> that he had like some that, like he had property and something went wrong with like a circus or something and he took in animals <laughs> and so i i ran into him i was like dude i heard you have a giraffe you have a giraffe now and he's like yeah yeah kind of i don't have the giraffe anymore but i got a whole bunch of horses and stuff I was like, wow <laughs> so that's them <laughs> man that was probably the the closest we've come to having being a real podcast that had like real dirt on bands and stuff so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, I don't think there's gonna be any complaints i think this is another home run we got it <laughs> um well this is probably where it gets shaky because we're going to talk about an obscure record label so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. anomi records is uh it was from germany their german label since 1994 uh which might be a lie because they have couple releases that predate 1994 on their discogs um, operated by Ulrich Goldsbach uh, formerly mm-hmm. founded as Euthanasia Records yeah and uh, so from what I gather this is one of those record labels it does this doesn't really exist anymore but back in the 80s and 90s uh, they would there would be like foreign like euro labels that just repressed mm-hmm. American stuff because the distribution it was just easier to repress it somewhere else and uh then to sell it <laughs> across the across the globe so uh, it looks like that was what they did because they had, they put out stuff by fear of god uh they put out a devoid of faith cd um mm-hmm. they put out a uh, hail of rage plutocracy yakopsy i don't I think that's how you say that man i never knew how to say that and mm-hmm. um see in red like a lot of bands that would you know would would relate heavily to monster x uh, early cattle decapitation just uh stuff like that and there's and I guess they're still putting stuff out to this day, which is crazy because I didn't I didn't think this type of this type of deal worked anymore. I didn't think there was any <laughs> need for putting like for a, a German place to like repress stuff. But I guess I guess it still happens. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't really have any knowledge of this label. Um, I don't know why they I guess I assume maybe they approached Monster X and said uh, we want to press your demo onto a record or whatever. And 
than uh, John repressed it himself. And I don't think it was like, you know, years later, I think it was pretty much back to back. They repressed this record. Um, So, yeah, I think think I don't have any real knowledge or info about Enomi Records because they're pretty pretty much just a record label that represses American records. Yeah, almost all the um, like the household names on this label are definitely represses. And I wouldn't put it past them to not have asked. Yeah, the that's the other thing. Things. Yeah, a lot of yeah. German labels did that back then. They would, they would just be like, you, they, you'd see a lot of CDs. I want that album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we Bite was a big one. We Bite would just like repress yep. stuff with like no one's knowledge and stuff like that. Yeah. So I had a I had the tape of this for years, and it's like the thing of theirs I listened to the most. I don't think I had the real copy. I think I might just had like a C ninety of it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever held the version that you see on Discogs, but it has a slightly different track list, and it's got a song called The Gift. Which yes. is, I love that song. It's not on this record, I don't no, think. No, it's not. And uh, that has like the coolest Mashi Monster X chorus of all. Uh, it's like a really, it's like my favorite Monster X chorus. And I also have the Hater or God version. What's that comic book face they use? You know what that is? It almost looks like the thing or something like that. It's on the back. We're of it. talking about this in the Automaton record, and I don't, I don't know. I, th- I want to say, I think we were talking about maybe John had it commissioned or something, but no, I don't, mm. I don't know what it is. I think we figured it out in the last episode, and now I don't remember. So, so, yeah. so I think it's, it's from cool some face. movie or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember. It's pretty cool. It, it almost looks like the thing or something, except yeah. it's, it looks more scary than, <laughs> yeah. than the thing, and it's got this cool halftone thing over it. That's the back uh, cover on on his version. Um, it's not on the anime version. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I had the uh, I had the tape version. That's and that's that that's the I think that's the best one that you could have. So look for that. That's <laughs> oh, actually, it's probably on that uh, discography. I'm sure the gift is on there. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that this anime thing. I think that he was known for doing like industrial stuff too. And industrial is a weird world. <laughs> so I think he maybe is has maybe some of the 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 gears are greased by doing industrial records or something like that. <laughs> But uh, the reason that he didn't get to do Devoid of Faith and Monster X much after this is that he was definitely putting out records of theirs uh, without cutting them in. Mm. Um, so they they left in a hurry. That's why <laughs> that's why it was back to back. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's not working out. And they <laughs> yeah. immediately took the record back and just started putting it out. So yeah, I mean, and then you know this came out in Hater of God, which which we've talked about in the past, even just as as, as recently as five minutes ago, we talked <laughs> about Hater of God records. Uh, so there you go. So now we can get this record out onto a tray nice uh so this is pretty uh pretty diy i guess even though it's not it's not like just on photocopy paper it's um yeah it's uh it's glossy so i assume they they passed over the layout to uh mr nomi and then and then he just put it on this nice glossy paper german uh, paper yes yeah, nice glossy german paper i don't know i assume is the is the cover from an existing comic book i don't think it didn't, no one drew this did they i i wouldn't put it past them to have had jay do it because he was a good artist mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I Nate was like Nate does some drawing. I don't know. He does cartoons. I don't know if he does yeah. like fancy drawings or whatever. But uh, you know, Nate ran a comic shop eventually, so he and he was good at sourcing weird pictures. Yeah. So I just kind of figured he, this is just from like some Fantagraphics like yeah, horror. Yeah, I think it is. I, like I feel like I've come across this in the wild, but but hopefully yeah. Nate's gonna come back and say no, you asshole. Somebody drew <laughs> that, but. Um, and I like it because if you look at it from far enough away, the and so if you're not looking at this with us, it's like it looks like a bunch of ghouls or a bunch of like yeah, like a scary ghouls in a basement or something. There's yeah, like a light yeah. bulb swinging it, uh, over their heads, and I, I like it because if you look from from far enough away, the ghoul in the middle looks like the Les Misérables poster. <laughs> looks like the uh, Les Misérables yeah. poster uh, with the, just the woman or whatever it is. I've never seen it. I just remember the poster. Uh, it says Monster X and Varsity font, so you know it's going to be some real youth crew shit. Uh, 
the back is just uh you know it's just pretty pretty simple it's just uh demo 93 with the the track listing in in handwriting recorded live to dat sometime in 1993 and uh the weird part is is the the german the nomi records is like like they he glued he glued this on <laughs> yeah. individually like so he covered something else i don't know if it was like an i'm not gonna peel it off i don't know if it was like an old address or something terrible but <laughs> that's on uh and then there's a sketchy looking straight edge symbol which uh I yep. don't. I don't know what that's all about. I'm gonna gonna ignore that. But that's it's that would be cancelable these days. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, yep. The inside cover is just the lyrics again in handwriting, and one of those old old timey demon demon pictures right in the middle. It says Monster X has all the pertinent information, and uh, that's about it. It's it's you know like I said, it's very DIY. It's almost <laughs> completely handwritten outside of a few typefaces there and a cut and pasted Monster X logo. Um, oh, and the label I should mention. One of the one of the sides, uh, the record label, it has a person and it looks like one of those old witch, scary witch masks, and it looks very mm-hmm. creepy. And uh, the other side is the the I don't know I don't know if this was used a lot back in the day or if it was just exclusive to this seven inch, but it has the graffiti style Monster X logo, mm-hmm. which I really like, and I wish that was on more stuff. But uh, like I said, yeah. was this did was did they use this or was this just for the record? Do you know? I think it was on other stuff. Like it's so it's so I don't have this record. Okay, this version of the record, and it's very familiar to me. So yeah. I feel like I had it on something. Yeah. So do you do you have do you physically own the Hater of God one? I did, and I don't know where it is. I, okay. I was going through my Monster X records, and I have two copies of the Human Greed split, but I don't have okay. <laughs> I don't have one copy of this version <laughs> of the record. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's all black and white. It's all DIY. I've always been fine with this. It's nothing flashy. It has everything you need, um, and that's it. It's not bad. It's uh, but it's not you know it's not spectacular. It's not super eye catching, uh, yeah. but it looks like a record that this this sounds like what it looks like. So it works yeah. out for me in the end. Uh, if you were early enough to get the tape version of this, you got a a weird like Cenobite clown mm-hmm. looking guy looking down yep. at you, and it's real familiar. Like I can't figure out what it is, but it's very it's really familiar. I think I've seen whatever comic this is. Um, and you got a cool Metallica version of the Monster X logo oh, yeah. that I've never seen anyplace else. I would wear a shirt of that <laughs> if they, they ever made that. And it says it says the name. I think it's like Ben Rogers or Ben something underneath the name underneath. Um, but yeah, not being able to place very familiar artwork is going to be a theme of this whole thing because I couldn't <laughs> I can't place a single thing. And it, it's funny because this cover uh, the the original Human Greed split as a bunch of skulls, but with like horn. I don't know if they're photoshopped or if they're real skulls that had horns on them. But it looks like a pile of kind of like you know killing fields style beaten up skulls and it's it looks visually the same from a distance yeah, yeah it's just yeah. like a bunch of faces kind of you know and, and it looks it, it, so I, I routinely mistook mistook these things for <laughs> each other but um i spent some time trying to figure this cover out because it looks so familiar i thought maybe it was dead world but you know, vince Locke is not this artistic <laughs> he's, he's not this subtle um and then i thought well maybe it's like a bernie wrightson thing but it's not really even bernie wrightson style so i thought yeah i I almost think jay might have drawn it but i'm not sure the fact that it has that light bulb swinging around really elevates it that's that's a story (laughs) like if it was just zombies that would be cool but the swinging light bulb that gets it going that's that's an interesting feature yeah you know i don't think someone would sit down and draw a bunch of zombies and then put oh i'm gonna put this in the basement with this one bare light bulb swinging (laughs) around above it i don't think it's just an idea you wouldn't have unless you were telling a story with it yeah yeah uh Devin is credited for all the handwritten lyrics on their discography CD, so I have to assume he did these. Like, I don't think you're allowed to have two guys with neat handwriting in one <laughs> band. Um, I want to know more about this demon inside, though. Um, <laughs> it looks old-timey, but I almost don't think it is. Because, like, the guy in the background just looks way modern to me. <laughs> and that like f- that flapping fabric kind of looks, you know, more, like, almost like, 
it looks like it would be in like a 2000 AD comic or like some really good pulp horror. Yeah. Like I feel like I've seen even you know how you see old timey comic strips yeah. from the newspaper and they're drawn way better than they should be. And sometimes there'll be like a guy or something that's drawn really well. It just makes me think of something like a little bit later than it's not like Durer or, or Dore or one of those guys. It's something else. And you know, I could have asked <laughs> talking today. I could ask him about this, but I want I want more of whatever this is because I like how that thing's drawn. And I really love that they commit to the college font. <laughs> um, it's pretty funny because you know, we're going to talk about this in, in more depth, but the, there wasn't a lot of stuff like this going on. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of people having fun with like, <laughs> like an evil version of straight edge, like putting out this really evil looking record, but putting the stupid college font on the cover <laughs> is not a joke that anybody else was making. Like they were the ones, <laughs> like that's yeah. their idea. That's a funny idea. It's like this satanic death grind record. And then there's. <laughs> That, that the college font in the front it's and they stuck with that you know to the next several records and yeah that's a very sketchy straight edge logo kind of looks like the walking sevens that that sun <laughs> something it's not great but the best part is definitely that hand-drawn monster x logo or the spray paint whatever it is it's yeah it's it's how you know nobody was fucking with a computer in 1993 like or 1996 <laughs> nothing on this is computery uh like it almost looks like it's got the the like the the off the spray around it from yeah. you know, being sprayed on but yeah, I remember this showing up other places and that's incredible because it's ridiculous looking. It's like, it's like they swore an oath to a potato stamp and were cursed <laughs> to use it forever or something like that. And I've definitely seen this on, on a shirt or yeah. something. I feel like it's something Jade Leonardis just made for him in his spare time. Like he did, he did that a lot. He would just make weird things and bring them to shows. And stuff I'm going like to bootleg it. I'm going to make, I'm going to make bootleg Monster X shirts. In the, yes. Check know. out our, our link tree soon for yeah. uh, the potato really stamp Monster X shirt. Two hundred dollar a month Patreon subscribers will get the bootleg Monster <laughs> X graffiti shirt. No charge, no sh free shipping too. Yeah, free shipping. <laughs> um, I had uh, one other thing I forgot to mention up top is that there is if you if you guys aren't familiar with the world of K-pop, there is mm -hmm. a there is a K-pop group named Monster <laughs> yeah. X with a yep. it's no hard R, no hard R in the monster. It's uh, Monster X, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm on. I was unaware of this because. I uh I'm not, I don't listen to K-pop. I'm a I'm a grown yeah. adult male. I don't listen to K-pop. And uh, there in Chinatown here, there's a, a K-pop store, and it's just, I think it's just called K-pop. And I was like, I was looking at it. I was like, this store is weird looking. I'm, I want to go in. And I went in, and it is a, one of the most spectacular stores I've been to in Chicago. It's uh they don't allow pictures. <laughs> they they don't allow wow. any pictures because and they 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 get fucking pissed off about it too because. I think I think ninety percent of their stock is bootlegged. I think they're mm -hmm. selling like a lot of bootleg shit. So they, they want no <laughs> pictures. I don't think they want the Korean mafia after them. But it's kind of like a giant gift store. It's kind of like if you go to New York City or San Francisco and you go to their gift shops and they have like the the Statue of Liberty that says "I Heart New York" and all that stuff. It's like it's like trinkets and stuff like that, but all K-pop. It's it's yeah. just like you know the same ten bands over and over again. And uh, that's how I discovered Monster X, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because they had like Monster X winter <laughs> hats and like T-shirts and pens, and I bought a pen, so I have a Monster X pen somewhere. It's uh, it's it doesn't have Nate or John or anybody on it, but it has the K-pop <laughs> guys though. But it's like, so if you're ever looking for a a, a, a real bootleg of Monster X, there is there is a Monster light a x in the, in the K-pop. Yeah. So so check them out. I also listen to them. They sound nothing like I was hoping. They would sound good enough so I could be like, yeah, I like Monster X and Monster X, but they're not. They're not good. They just sound like yeah. <laughs> they do but, like a leap of faith cover. Go, Ooh, yeah. yeah ah. when, I, when I was looking for because uh, I wanted I wanted to check something from the, the 
the discography and it's on YouTube and I, I typed in Monster X discography and I was like, did you mean Monster X? And it brought me to that <laughs> instead. And I was like, I don't mean this, but that's cool too. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, don't get them, don't get them twisted. There's two different bands named Monster X. Um, I considered making a Monster X joke. We actually talked about that uh, a long time ago because Steve Aoki was producing something of theirs and I was like, yeah. I want Steve Aoki to ask them because he's an ebullition <laughs> yeah. recording artist. <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to ask them about Monster, the band Monster X. I assume, but, uh, yeah, I assume they they got the name from the same place, which was Godzilla. But um, you know what's know. funny though is that I, I mean, so I, maybe you know this. I looked up. I, I've looked been looking up Monster X my whole life and could never find anything. I always I thought it was Mecha Godzilla. I just assumed that was the name of Mecha Godzilla, and I could never really find anything. And when I look it up now, the Monster X that's a kaiju. According to the internet, it doesn't show up till like 2004 or something. Mm. So, have you ever seen a movie with the Monster X kaiju in it from, from the old days? Is it an old thing, or did they? It's um, it, it's I think I want to say that Monster X was the uh, it's the Americanized version of of some other monster. Okay, but I can't remember okay. what because I'm I'm not up on Godzilla. I'm sure that I'm sure there's at least five Godzilla freaks listening to this. Like, what the fuck? But <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Monster X is like Ghidra's name or something like that, and they just changed it to Monster X and like the the american versions but I, I i don't remember yeah the um, one that shows up most places is from much later like actually pretty recent so yeah monster x is being retconned there uh they're <laughs> maybe maybe godzilla took it from fucking monster x then i don't know but yeah what the no fuck? i think what it, the fuck, <laughs> I'll, I'll look off here i'm sure i'm sure nate will chime in too but um <laughs> so yeah now we can get into the actual music so this is the demo 93 this is six tracks and um what is it one two three four five yeah it was seven tracks on the actual tape with the gift on it but we're getting six tracks tracks here for whatever reason they decided to leave the gift off here maybe it didn't fit i don't know but this is a pretty full sound i think it's about 11 minutes altogether. so we got that going uh so side a starts off with a song called leap of faith Spoiler alert! You right, right, right here, right now. This is my all-time favorite Monster X song. So it's only <laughs> it's only downhill from here. It's this is the, wow. the, the the top of the heap, king of the mountain, uh, Monster X song for me. That that uh, that fucking crushing riff in the beginning is just it's so good. I love it so much. I feel like we talked about covering this at some point. It just never came to fruition. But um, yeah. but yeah, and uh, it's it's cool because uh, John does the the back and forth. Um, low end, high end vocals, 
And mm-hmm. uh, my cat's names are Egg and Toast, and it sounds like he goes, Jing, 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 Toast, Jing, 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 Egg. So, so <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't do a screechy because I don't want to freak, freak people out. But, but, uh, but yeah, so now it sounds like he's saying my cat's names. Um, but yeah, I just like, I love this song. It's so fucking heavy. It's so like barbaric sounding. It's so great. It's uh, easily my favorite favorite Monster X song. Not even just on this 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 record. The whole discography this is my favorite, and uh, it's crazy because, like I said, I was I I was you know I I found out about Monster X when pretty much everybody outside of New York found out about Monster X. I wasn't like in the know. I, I think I probably read about them in Heart Attack or something, and it was like like I said in an earlier episode. I think they were always described as like what if like a youth crew band like or what if a grindcore band did like youth crew songs or something like that and Mm -hmm. um and it's like i remember i think the first thing i heard was attrition which was one of the later things and um that was was on ebullition and i remember like just being like this is fucking crazy like i've never heard anything like this before and um and i think a lot of people were like that that was their big appeal where people like i've never heard anything like this before yeah. It's, it's weird because now this just sounds normal to me. It just sounds like normal music <laughs> and it made me feel real old because it's like back when you were a kid and your dad or whoever would be like, that's not real rock. You gotta listen to the doors. And now like <laughs> now monster X is by the doors. Like this is like, yeah. if I was like, Hey, young, young blood, you want to listen to some real hard shit? And I put on monster X, they'd probably laugh at me. They'd probably <laughs> push me down the stairs and laugh at me. And they'd yeah. be like, what's this pussy shit? And uh, that buzzes me out. I, I'm not the, the minus leap of faith. This song is heavy as hell. If you're a kid and you're not in this, you're a fucking pussy. So right. I, I don't know. That's but right. the, yeah, I, I love this song. This is fucking seven stars all day. Um, I have nothing but great, great accolades to say about this track. Yeah, I think anyone who's who's thinking about grind or death metal with a modern brain is going to be confused. Like this doesn't sound like it could have come out in <laughs> even earache back then or anything like that. You know, this is. I mean, when you hear John singing to. A, Sings into the cup mic, <laughs> and uh, you know Rory's having some real gray area ideas on what constitutes a blast beat almost all the time. <laughs> That's the sound. That's what's up. <laughs> That's what Monster X was back then. And uh, but I think I think one thing you could hear is that John was really good at this. Like whether he, like that they have a weird presentation because he always I think he used to sing through like combo amps even yeah. when it was in even when he went out to play shows. I don't think he sang through a PA. I think he might have sang through like a busted combo amp sometimes or something like that. And he always cupped the mic. Even later days, he always cups the mic. So, you know, that, that's got a sound that you can't really rule out. But he's really good at this style. He does the low growls. He does the high screams. And he's, like, world class at that. He yes. was very good at it. Like, he could have been in any band he wanted to be at the time. And they were pretty much inventing the idea of being, like, mischievous death metal dirtbags playing straight edge music. They were The thing about them doing the college font on this, that all that stuff, they were making this up. And I think they were just having fun. Like they, I think it was an organic idea. They're like, Hey, you know, let's do a straight edge band. Hey, let's make it sound like napalm death. Hey, let's stick to the, like all this straight edge imagery at the same time and, and be weird about it. And, um, this song in particular, I covered dozens of times with my ska metal band. Uh, we played it a lot. Uh, once, like once in a blue moon, it went over well, not, <laughs> not often, but yeah, that's how the nineties worked. You had a lot of bad ideas floating around. We thought people would be delighted to have a ska set interrupted with a half-assed death metal cover, <laughs> like a local death metal cover. And we were usually wrong, but yeah, the, 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 Ooh, ah, intro is legendary. Nothing beats it. <laughs> and it's satisfying to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the next track is called take a walk.
is uh, this is the big one that got Monster X in a little trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the anti-religion slash Krishna so- song, anti-Krishna, not pro-Krishna. And, uh, you know, you could read the lyrics your fucking self if you want to, but it, it gets into it. It's it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty upfront. It's not like thinly veiled. It's just kind of like, like you know, you say you're fucking free of all this shit, but you're, you know, you're fucking, you're stuck to the crutch of a false god and stuff like that. And uh, it's, you know, it's it. That was what was cool. We'll get we'll get into it with the last track, but that was what was cool about Monster X. They're like the straight edge band for the rest of us. They're yeah. saying they're saying what us non straight edgers, edgers want to say. And it's mm-hmm. cool. It's like they're on our side, so that's cool. Um, I, I never noticed before because I, I guess I never really sat down and had to like really pour over the lyrics. But the, all the lyrics do have a like at least the way they're written. They do have that youth crew cadence to them. So yeah, so uh, yeah. that that's that's cute. That 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 makes sense. Now I, I do like I understand the the reference now. Like I said back in the day, this just sounded like crazy man music to me. But now listen, this this absolutely does sound like what what it was described as back in the day. So uh, I was just a dumb fucking kid at the time, um, and I didn't understand it because I only knew like three <laughs> forms of music. But I totally get it now. Um, and this even has like a youth crew gallop in it. So it's a great song. It's a great song to uh, get into fights with Baby Gopal and Shelter or whatever. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know pretty progressive song for uh, 1993. Yeah, this was the one-two punch because the first song is anti-religious. Yeah, and then. Uh take a walk is explicitly anti-krishna it's like they name check shelter i i didn't realize yeah they say like something about shelter songs in the song which is, that's rude <laughs> and i like that the name of the song was just take a walk that could be anything that could be anything <laughs> in the world and the chorus is literally take a fucking walk take a walk i think <laughs> you can't get anything out of that name out of that phrase there's nothing you couldn't catch any any specifics out of that and i i just think it's cool that these guys are coming at this from like a hardcore point of view and didn't blow it trying to make really deathy song metal titles <laughs> like gut the krishna spirit and like eviscerate it they didn't do all this death metal stuff they just no. made it sound like death metal but the song titles are still kind of there's still some art <laughs> still some <laughs> art to be found in the song titles. uh yeah the grind parts of this song are a little blurry i don't know if it was the recording or rory i think rory was kind of new to blast beats um and but i also think the recording is not great it's live live to tape but on the plus side, yeah, this song has a literal, the thing that we talked about with Brian, it has the Posse beat section that is directly insulting to the most famous Posse youth singer of all time. <laughs> that feels amazing. I never thought about that in the old days. <laughs> Same as you said, I never thought about that. That like, it's the one time they, they use that beat occasionally, but it's definitely in this. <laughs> and it was tight as hell to have the shelter entourage throw banana peels at us while we moshed in pe- paper monster X hats with potato stamps on them to this. <laughs> uh, the last track is just called worthless and it's just, it's just like a four second blast. There's, there's nothing yeah. to really cover on that one. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that like they were, they said they wanted to be like Napalm Death, and they were also pals of Brutal Truth. Hmm. Guess what two bands got their one-second songs on MTV? Yeah. yeah. Na- Napalm Death and Brutal Truth both got videos in the daylight <laughs> on MTV playing their one-second song. <laughs> I, f- I feel like it's because Dan Lilker, Lilker had already had a video with Jessica Hahn in it. So <laughs> he had some stroke at the station or whatever, but still, pretty good. Uh, then flip, we flip over to Side B. First track on Side B is called It's Time. <laughs> Uh, 
much like uh, pro wrestler Vader. It's time. It's time. It's Vader time. But now it's, it's Monster X time. Uh, this is a song about uh, women's right to choose, basically. An abortion tr- song, and it's very, very depressing that um, this song is even still relevant, and it's even more yeah. relevant than it was like five years ago, and it's super relevant now, and it's uh, real, real sad that we're 30 years uh, removed from this track, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's still uh, pathetically relevant. This song has a very groovy breakdown. I, don't, I wouldn't say an actual groove, but it has like a real nod your head, like, yeah, like, this is pretty <laughs> fucking cool great breakdown. And, um, I've never seen Monster X. I think, I think I maybe went to one show and I either missed them or they they canceled or something like that. But I've never seen Monster X. Did people did people mosh like mosh mosh to Monster X or was like uh, like you know punk rock like just shaking your fish fist moshing? No, people. I mean, they didn't like it. Wasn't really in style to do the karate. Yeah, but people definitely did some heartbeat. There was a guy. I might I be I might be conflating two people, but there was a guy named Dan. Who was in a band called Grayland? Who was a? You, do you know him? The tall skinhead. He was no. like a tall, like like you know Fred Perry style skinhead dude. I don't think so. And uh, and he wore boots that were unreal. They had like this shiny metal cap on the toe, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he would clear a pit. He was like nine feet tall, and he would just <laughs> come into the pit and just like start all of all of his thirty foot limbs would just start whipping around like bull whips and it was just there was no stopping him in his giant boots and so he'd come out he would just do it once in a while for fun because he was unstoppable he was a machine he would just come out and mosh mosh a hole in the crowd and then then leave but yeah people and people mosh but there's a lot of jokey stuff back then too there's a lot of wrestling in the pit and stuff okay. like that and, but they also had bad shows like monster x was not um, some sort of bulletproof invincible albany thing they had i was at some like not so great sets for them where they weren't really it wasn't their crowd and stuff like that huh. and wasn't always a guarantee uh so yeah this is one of the first two songs that i think were like fun choices for a 90s straight edge scene uh because like a lot of militant edge bands back then were either pro-life or tiptoeing around some conservative <laughs> bullshit and you know at the time that this came out i was like i was a fat kid listening to primus so not a lot of girls were knocking down my door and reproductive pri- <laughs> rights that didn't come up for me very often <laughs> didn't have a reason to think about it you know, I, that was it was interesting to hear like lyrics like this back then for me. I was like, okay, yeah, I like that. I like that stuff. And then, you know, I thought we had this problem handled. <laughs> I guess we don't. No. Uh, but yeah, you can hear how a lot of these songs are based on a hardcore idea, like the youth core idea, or just like an almost like a New York hardcore idea sometimes. And like they'll start off with a perfectly normal hardcore riff, and then they'll just stick click and play that riff again, but but blasting, and voila, you got to grind. <laughs> grind song and that's what makes it a grind song but i think this song finally gets you know this like a uh, rock and roll heavy metal fantasy part at the end gets them out there on the road touring with boston and journey finally and you know ultimately <laughs> this kind of stuff that they do at the end of the song is yeah. ultimately what made them number one in my heart like these kind of uh flights of fancy <laughs> that they took for a while okay the next track is called collapse
Now this one starts off, it's a little more thrashy than the rest of them. This is kind of pretty much thrash. It's also because it's it's doing some kind of uh, version of thrash that uh, I think this would be cl- the closest to power violence, which is another kind of scene they got lumped into. Um, yeah. Not by, I don't think they probably ever claimed it or really any kind of smart person, but um, that was just kind of the blanket term back then for a lot of this stuff. And it still is the blanket term for a lot of like uh, kind of uncategorizable music that people make but yeah but uh, this is the closest where i would go okay i get it i get the power of violence kind of kind of label but that's about it um you can also very rapid fire headbang to this and i imagine <laughs> imagine a lot of dandruff floating around at the shows when when they played collapse but now yeah. scott has crushed my dreams and it was telling me that that uh that monster x got the fuck you horseshoe and no one watched them or <laughs> and stuff like that and i just always assumed all their shows were sold out and crazy but i guess not yeah, no, I saw. I don't remember what the show was, but I saw them play at Bogies once, and it was like maybe a scotch. <laughs> might have been something. It was at something Bogies style, which was like not really you know DIY hardcore. And they got cut off after two songs. Like they, you know they they let them play like two songs. They're like, no, nah, this is you guys are breaking our PA. I don't know what the fuck this is. We're done. That's and, great. and like you know we were there for it but it wasn't <laughs> the, the crowd wasn't really there for it. So um, I don't know like if this record is chronological. It kind of seems like it though, because it's like, you know, by the time you get to this song, this is some master of puppet shit. This is like lots of parts, <laughs> lots of thrashing, lots of ideas. Um, we talked about Cotton Hill Studios, like you said in the, in the Withstand episodes when we talked about it last, and it was a local studio whose bread and butter was recording like jingles for local TV and not so much underground death grind or <laughs> or even mosh mosh metal or any of that stuff. And this is this is evident from the bass tone on this uh, song, which is hilarious uh this it's it's you can hear it elsewhere but this song is like it's it's a uh, it's something and i uh the guitars sound decent though i think the guitars sound okay on this uh you know jay had good equipment nate i, I don't remember what he played through but i think he played through okay stuff but this the bass is hurting pretty hurting on this record and uh yeah this is this is the path to my 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 lane of monster x uh there's once they got into these like heavy metal epics like this song and the next song and both songs of the human greed split that's like what got me out of the house <laughs> to, find, <laughs> to finally like leave and start going to shows was i was like oh my god there's a band out there who play, occasionally plays like testament parts for some reason in the middle of their death metal songs i i didn't get to mention that the outside of the thrash part there's another part that's like kind of uh, i guess a pseudo breakdown but it's so yeah. chunky and it kind of sounds like uh what you would put like in the background of maybe climbing a mountain or training for boxing <laughs> and that's uh that's yeah. pretty cool too so yeah i, I love that little that little slower part to this um the yeah. last track is called legalize and uh this is this is the second best monster x song and i yeah. remember like now that you br- i haven't listened to the discography in a very long time this is the first time i listened to monster x in several years and mm-hmm. um i think yeah the gift is super metal too am i right or no yeah the gift has uh, I, I, this is stupid trying to describe it but the part that's awesome is like one guitar is going dun 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 dun, dun <laughs> and the other guitar seems to be going <laughs> so it sounds awesome yeah and he's going like yeah, yeah, yeah. over the top of it it's sick it's yeah. the sickest <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's it's pretty uh it's a pretty heavy song yeah i was a, I was a big fan of the gift too so i, I don't know if legalize is close it's in top five the the elite the very least probably top three though uh but this is the song again like i said this is a straight edge band for the rest of us this is the pro weed straight edge song Hell yeah <laughs> and it is uh it is insane that this is still a t- way too progressive idea for 95 percent straight edge bands and that yeah. straight edge bands are still happy 
talking about, you know, crushing the skulls of the non-believers and being married to the ex and stuff like that. And uh, here was Monster X 30 years ago saying, hey, man, hey, government, listen, just fucking legalize weed and let us decide for ourselves. We're going to stay poison free, but we don't need your fucking dirty hands keeping us away from from the sweet leaf. And uh, (laughs) again, this is like, I don't, I mean, maybe some smaller straight edge bands I don't know of have made songs similar to this, but... I think like them and Chokehold are the only only straight edge bands I could think of that have made like kind of progressive straight edge songs, and yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that definitely it's something like I will always remember about Monster X, and I think it's it's probably one of the things that even if you know Monster X is just a foggy memory in your head, you'll remember about them is that they had the the pro weed straight edge song. Um, yeah. So uh, this, this Scott mentioned the bass. This bass is there. Devin's laying down some real farty licks in this. It's just like. <laughs> This pretty heavy, serious song, and you just hear, <laughs> and it's it's. <laughs> they should have deleted that. They should have. Yeah. I know it's live to the dat. No, no, no retakes, but they should have uh, lowered it somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> this 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 is, is a little thrashy too, and then it has like the epic fucking build up, building interlude that leads to the outro. And uh, I think uh, we famously on on our seven inch on the Vixen seven inch put weed smoking part or something. Or bong yeah. bong, bong ripping, ripping part, bong <laughs> ripping part for one of our interludes. I think this is the bong ripping part. I don't yeah. think they, they didn't they didn't label it or mention it, but I think this is like well, we're gonna do this straight edge weed song. We gotta have a bong ripping part, and this is a bong <laughs> ripping part at, at the uh, kind of the middle of the song. So yeah, perfect, perfect song. Uh, yeah, I think Devin. At the, I don't know if he ever upgraded from it or not, but he used to play this bass. It was a Guild bass, which Guild isn't the thrashiest bass, <laughs> and it kind of looked like a Riverbottom Nightmare Band kind of guitar. Like it looked like like if Gem and the Holograms were given a guitar, it looked weird. You know, it was like metal metal looking, but like clunky, like seventies metal looking or something like that. It was, it was a bass that you would expect to sound like this, at least at the time. Uh, but yeah, like as so as a new straight edge kid, because I was still new to the term. I'd never done drugs, but I was still a new to the idea. And I was really resentful of the drugs that were no danger to me whatsoever. <laughs> and had zero impact on my life. Even my friends who did stuff didn't really do drugs. So I never really had a problem. I never, I just invented an enemy basically. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we didn't have like kill your local drug dealer type shirts. None of my friends were worked up about anything like that, uh, or even really that worked up about straight edge at all. But I was definitely a kid who privately believed in firestorming, uh, <laughs> just on my own. <laughs> but it was, it was really important and formative to hear wise older boys in the first straight edge band I ever knew in person singing this song and singing about legalizing drugs. It never occurred to me. Back then, there was rallies. I don't know, even know if this is still around, but there used to be like normal rallies, N O R M L. I don't know if that's still around or not. Is that still around? I assume the group is still around. I don't know if yeah. they even need to do rallies anymore, though, at this point. <laughs> yeah. I used to just think that shit was so whack like, back then because I was like, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know about the second layer of it. All I knew was that there's all these guys who are like making weed political and like they're out there having rallies. Like, don't you have anything else to do? Just smoke it in your house. Don't make a big political stink about it. You, if you want to blaze, just blaze, dude. I just thought it was weird. And and I just, I just thought it was dumb that people would get all politically active over a corny cause. In my brain, that's what I thought back then. And now we live in that world where people are politically active over bad causes. Yeah. So I was right about that, but I was wrong about weed. <laughs> and... uh you know, I still don't do it myself, but I'm very iry now, Michael. Very iry about. I think everything should be legalized. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that shit now. I'm, I'm different now. And uh, this song pops up in my head all the time when I think about it. Even when, like 
when I think about this topic at all, this song is first in my brain. Not I don't need these lyrics to reinforce my thoughts because I'm not 12. <laughs> yeah. But just the idea that I was confronted with those thoughts back when I was at my most confused, anti-everything idiot chunk of my life was pretty crush. It was pretty crush for me. And uh, like I completely credit this song for making me a little less dumb. Like in, in all things, just like, prying open one door was enough to open some other doors at the same time. And uh, is this song all around? So there you have it. That's the uh, the Monster X record, the '93 demo on seven inch. Uh, so yeah, at the end of this, I usually do a little rating system. I say uh, either throw it in the trash, listen to it on streaming, which you can't unless you go to illegal YouTube. Um, buy it from the bargain bin, buy it for full price, or buy it for collector's prices. Uh, biases aside. I was shocked to find out this is just like a common record. Like this goes for a few Mm. bucks. I don't know how that's even fucking possible. It makes no sense to me. I pulled out just randomly. I wasn't looking for it. I looked through the February 96 issue of heart attack this, this morning. And Mm. there's a, there's a review for this record in it. And uh, it says, you know, you better get this quick because it's going to be fucking gone. They only (laughs) made 500 of them, which 500 is such a big number, but (laughs) <laughs> you know, they're like, they only made 500. You better fucking get it. And I, yeah. you know, I know for a fact the Hater of God ones aren't flowing around. They're, they're pretty gone too. So yeah. I don't know why people don't want this. I like, like I said, the discography is only on CD. No one uses CDs anymore. That's long gone. I don't think you could really buy that anymore. And uh, so, yeah, I, it, it boggles my mind why this isn't yeah. like a collector price. But in my mind, it's a collector price all day. This is, yeah. uh, I think, a fucking integral record to have. I think it's integral to have this whole discography, uh, completely singular band, even though we've described them as, you know, grind, guy, grind guys do a youth crew, and that's pretty much what it is. I don't think... Bands bands do a lot of experimenting now, like uh, younger bands, I should say. There's not... Yeah. Um, it's not as kind of black and white as it used to be, like when Monster X came out. But it's still... Mm-hmm. A lot of it, the when you hear a band doing wacky stuff, it sounds wacky. It sounds like a winky winky. We're trying to be wacky, but this never sounded wacky or anything like that. This is this always sounded great. Um, the sing like like I said, singular influential band. So it's shocking to me you could still pick this up for a few bucks, and you should you should pick this up for a few bucks. And um, like I said, if you could if you are a, a CD person who actually listens to the CD, just get the fucking discography because that yeah. has everything on it, including the gift. So. So uh, the the only thing it doesn't have on it is, uh, and somebody was gracious enough to put it on YouTube is the live from WRPI cassette mm-hmm. tape that they think they released like a handful of copies of. But outside yeah. of that, you get everything else on the discography. Uh, layout's great, everything's great on it. Uh, but you know, for you you record hounds, you people that don't listen to the CDs, definitely pick this up for a few bucks. Like I said, it has one of the greatest straight edge songs ever written on it. It has one of the greatest anti Krishna songs ever written on it, <laughs> and it has leap of faith on it. it has, it has three just amazing seven star songs on it please please pick this up while it's still cheap because it should be gone for 50 bucks and it's going for four (laughs) yeah uh but but the rpi thing was um i don't know if this was from that but jim from devoid of faith used to do a show on that for years called suspect device Mm -hmm. and i think they had a really good like live performance setup so you could basically get your demo done if you were good. You could just show up on RPI and yeah. Jim show. Like my friends PC104 did it. A bunch of bands did it. Like it was just you just play on a suspect device or on some other RPI show. And there you go. You got a record. <laughs> I just I want to uh, reinforce my intro thoughts uh, on this band. Probably make it sound like I think later Monster X sucks or something. I don't <laughs> think that. Uh, a little part of the story I forgot is after Jay left, they got a guy named Chris Mack who at the time I mostly knew from being in like jokey punky bands. And I thought of him as like a jokey, like troublemaker, like booger punk kid. Um, I like, I knew him, but I just thought of him as being like, he, they were like 
a no effectsy type band or something like that that he they called the Fruit Loops and he did another band called the uh, Bad Case of the Gout. We're, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing Bad Case of the Gout in the oh. coming weeks. So oh great. Okay. So, <laughs> meanwhile, the band that they were doing first that I knew of first was called Dead Baby, which was a band entirely made of the jokey punkers who happened to be the best death metal band in the Capital District. Period. <laughs> Not funny good like really good really effective good death metal and i'm not clear on how they got that way i've never been i haven't i don't really talk to those guys much anymore um and i don't know how they got this way they were really goofy kids they're from a town called albia they used to show up to shows talking like wrestling announcer voices do atomic elbow drops in the pit they were like annoying to be around <laughs> at the time but dead baby was fucking brutal and amazing and you can find it on they did a split with the with um um exploding corpse action yeah. it's it's so good and but then somehow when chris got in monster x i put all those files aside <laughs> forgot that he was in the most state-of-the-art development in, in albany and just saw him as this punky guy and i was like ah these guys are just going punk these are all these guys are going punky now or whatever and but you, you can you can do this for yourself go put on the ebullition record which is just nate and it's it's pretty grind. It's not it's not that punky. It's pretty grind. My bad. That bad opinion is on me. But the youth crew record is on them. Like mm -hmm. I don't like that youth crew record, and that's one hundred percent on them personally. Uh, but uh, you know, longtime listeners of the show who hear us like mercilessly pick at the bones of '90s drummers and guitarists every episode are probably like, "Why aren't you dunking on this? These Dixie <laughs> Cup vocals, these rubber band bass, this." The hide and seek snare drum. <laughs> Why aren't you picking on this? And your problem is solved. I just did it. Those things are all true. <laughs> this is a demo, a live demo from 1993, and it is sonically substandard. That is a true statement. Um, it's possible a deathcore fan of 2023 would not hear this record and understand that it was like a state of the art nuclear missile for its time. <laughs> uh, I could, I could understand that. Uh, this band was a real sight to behold. It's it's a shame, Mike. You, you, Mike, you never saw them live. No, never did. They made a, such a good choice in frontman. John was like a, a like a burly bald guy with a huge beard that came came all the way up to his eyes, like a <laughs> muppet or something like that. He was a big scary guy. He wore like giant train conductor overalls. I think he had like, I think he had like cartoon boots that were taped up. There were everything about him was scary, and he had crazy Timberwolf eyes, and he was really good at death growling. And the whole band's concept was very effective, and they were also like, like it was just like an intimidating band to see live, and they were also funny dudes. So that's a winner. That's like a winning <laughs> end to end winning thing. I don't know what the picture is on side A of this, the witchy thing. It looks like Lady Elaine Fairchild from Mister Rogers to me. <laughs> so I'm going to give this record Infinity Boomerang, Toomerang, Zoomerangs out of five. The <laughs> only way a future record can top this is if it's got Freddie Mercury or me on it. Like nothing. <laughs> This is my most important record <laughs> in the world. So it's 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 the top of the heap. Nothing's ever going to top this. There you go. The, the first Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame <laughs> record, uh, the Criterion version of First 7-Inch Club. It's a Monster X 93 7-Inch. It is imperative you go buy this. I don't yep. think State of Mind Recordings carries it, but you, know, you can find it out there. So go yep. pick it up um, next week. Again, we're I'm doing the polls the day before the show comes out, but it's going to be a split seven inch. I don't know what it is yet because we haven't decided. I haven't put the poll up yet, but mm -hmm. I'm uh, going to put up four split seven inches. Figure we'll re revisit that at least once before we hit the the magic eighty eight. And uh, and yeah, so uh, so we'll 
We'll work it out so we're, we don't do a three-hour episode because it's two bands. We'll figure it it's out. It's going to be the Nirvana and the Jesus Lizard split. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Oh, once the fucking the, the, the records settle on, we'll figure out how we're going to split up the bands. Yeah. But but uh, but yeah, until then, uh, Scott, you have any last words? Okay, fuck Charlie Day. Like I'm the only